I, you know what, 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 what humanity can do to relieve ourselves from the pain of walking on weak ankles? We could be on spider bodies. No. Yes. It's perfect. It's a perfect solution. Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. We are not a spoiler-free podcast. So make sure you've seen the movie or movies we're talking about before you listen. I'm one of your hosts, Ray. And I'm your other host, Chris. And, oh, what, what's that coming from the, the sea, coming from the shore of Okinawa? Is that... It's Chris Rodriguez, the co-host and mastermind of Iron... Uh, oh, oh my God! Uh, Iron, silver, and salt—the the amazing Monster Hunter podcast, um, where they cover all, all your monster hunting tips and needs, uh, and so you don't uh, walk into you know the Baba Yaga and get killed without with, with your pants down. It's terrible. You need to know. Knowledge is your your number one tool, number one resource. So welcome to the podcast, Chris Rodriguez. Uh, it's always it's always a pleasure to have you on. That was uh, quite the entrance. Thank you, and I'm happy to be here. I don't know quite. I'm not from Okinawa. I am not Japanese. Just just for the record. But Chris, you you work you work for the government. I don't know. You 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 could have been on a special assignment in Okinawa, like you know, tracking down these 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 walking fish. Never. If Chris worked for the government. We know one thing, if any, if anything like this was actually happening, he wouldn't tell us. <laughs> that's all of this is proven to me. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what security clearances are for, right? So, <laughs> uh, so Chris, um, today, today when this episode comes out, July 31st, it is the birthday of a very, very special creator. Uh, Chris, why are you here with us today? Special being the operative term. Um, it is Junji Ito's birthday, the day that this episode comes out. So happy her, happy birthday to a man whose well-being I am now very, very concerned for. <laughs> are you okay, Ito-san? Are you okay? I am so thrilled. I'm, like, enamored with him. I watched his Comic-Con panel like from comic-con at home and i'm just even more enamored with this man he's, he's just he's so good but i uh, just i just want to sit there and just go yes please keep talking no we'll get into it we'll get into it we'll get into this but this man but this man <laughs> this man is great um so i i would i love to tell our dreadfuls the quick story of how this crossover happened because Ryan and I were recording an episode and then we were doing some pre-planning about Juji Ito and then I was uh we were posting some links in the discord and then all of a sudden Chris just shows up and joins the voice channel he's like Juji Ito tell me more yeah you know once I saw that you guys weren't recording an episode I'm like we need to talk about Juji Ito man to be fair, you did. You were very polite. You were like, uh, you guys aren't recording right now, are you? And we're like, no, we're just we're just shooting the shit. What's Look, up? Because I have feelings. Right. That's exactly what happened. It was it was so perfect. So perfect. <laughs> and two weeks later, here we are. So 
uh again chris it's um we're gonna be we're gonna be getting into it because today uh in a multi-part ep- uh series uh, devoted to juji ito we're gonna be talking about um the first of uh his works uh on this uh little mini series of ours um gyo uh the full title uh in japanese is gyo uka, uh, ukameku uh, bukimi or fish ghastly squirming um on the deluxe uh graphic novel versions published by viz media um it's called the death stent the death stench creeps gyo um so gyo in japanese uh literally means fish so so we're going to be talking about um the manga and the OVA or the uh, anime adaptation uh, by Ufo Table. It's about like 75 minutes long. Um, I know I definitely watched it. I think Chris, Chris, you didn't watch it, right? I'm not sure you watched oh, it. Oh, uh, I watched it. You watched, I watched it? it? Okay. I only, I only read them. <laughs> Unfortunately, I only had time to read the manga. It's all good. It's all good. We will, we will fill you in. They both have their own merits. However, I do have a preference. <laughs> Just gonna say that. Yes. Um. Yeah. Apparently, the fan base too. So we will we will get into that. Uh, just a little bit of background about Junji Ito. Um. So for those who are, who are not familiar, uh, he is a super accomplished horror mangaka or horror uh, or manga creator or artist and writer uh he's been working in in the horror industry for about 30 years his first debut uh was in 1987 and he is so well known for his incredible artwork uh his creepy psychological horror and seinen uh, style, um, dabbling a lot into cosmic horror, uh, psychological horror, body horror, um, uh, uh, stories about phobias, sto- phobias about the, the truly bizarre, whether that's like eldritch horror or just like taking horror or taking the weirdness of like small everyday fears that you don't you would wouldn't think twice about and just extrapolate it to something fantastical um some of his most famous works include tomie uh uzumaki which will be uh we'll cover in the next episode and the title we're talking about today gyo um which is basically when you think about it it's like a very strange zombie zombie survival apocalyptic tale but calling it zombie zombie survival tale is like doing it injustice but like the the premise is very simple and absurd uh it's about a young couple named tadashi and kaori they're vacationing um in uh okinawa and there's this horrible death stench that precedes this invasion of these fish uh, with with legs and they're just they're just walking on land and they, they invade Japan and craziness ensues. That's a very very watered down version of the plot. Um, but my gosh, it just goes off the rails, and I'm very excited to talk about this today. This is my introduction to Junji Ito. I think I have seen a lot of his illustrations, especially of women and women's faces very specifically before 
uh, they've been floated around different like horror groups that I'm a part of online and I never I always looked at it and I was like well that's a creepy image but for the longest time before we started giving people credit for things it was just an image I didn't know anything about who drew it it was never like said this is done by so and so so I just I had no I had no idea until earlier this year at least I think it was this year time is you know just not in in non-existence mode at the moment um I think it was earlier this year where I saw this like list of like 12 terrifying things by Junji Ito to give you like night that are like pure nightmare fuel or something like that and I was like well what the fuck is this I could use something to like help me not sleep at night and some of these images I was like oh I've seen this before so it's really awesome to like get familiar with the person who's behind it and then I had brought it up to Chris, which is how we decided we were going to do a Junji Ito episode. And honestly, it just happened to be that Junji Ito's birthday was on a Friday when these episodes come out. So everything just sort of like fell into place after that. So Gyo is my first experience with Junji Ito. And I love this man. Yes. I absolutely love this man. I get, especially with Gyo, I get very like Tetsuo the Iron Man vibes. I don't know if that is intentional or not. Tetsuo is on our list. It is a very old school Japanese body horror movie and it feels very, it it feels like he must have watched it when he was a kid or something like that. Well, Ito is a child of horror. He's been consuming like horror uh books and literature ever since he was a kid like the story goes like his two of his sisters were reading like horror magazines and he ended up reading it too and then and then he 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 obviously like uh he's a big fan of uh like japanese horror greats like uh kazuo umezu hideshi hino and obviously he's like a huge huge fan of like hp lovecraft as well um so it's definitely there uh but chris i'm sorry i interrupted you uh yeah what are your thoughts and what are your first um what was your first exposure to junji ito so my first exposure to junji ito was i would imagine is pretty similar to a lot of people's first exposure which was the story the oh god the enigma of the anigamara fault which is one of the bonus stories in in the in the gyo uh deluxe edition Yes, it is. Um, but I didn't know, you know, who was it was from or who was involved. I just saw, you know, it was being passed around on a, like a message board or something. Like, hey, check out this super creepy short story. And, you know, I was hooked. It was wildly inventive, very imaginative. It was just a good story. So brilliant. Um, my first exposure happened to be Kyo, but not like the full volume or the full manga. Um um, it was, uh, Go ha- definitely has one of the most memeable images of Juji Ito's work, which is a, a, a great white shark with spider legs going around chasing people and, like, bl- uh, busting down doors. Uh, so I saw, so good, I saw this meme, like, circulate, like, um, on, on, like, I don't know, like, Reddit or something like that, and I had no idea what it was, where it was from. Uh, but it just tickled my imagination. Uh, and then sometime later, this is, oh my gosh, maybe like, maybe three years ago, th- three years ago already, um, um, where 
uh, our mutual friend Stan, uh, he was we were talking about manga, and he was talking about his deep dive into Junji Ito, um, specifically um, the one autobiographical work of his. This was released in 2009. Um, Junji Ito's Cat Diary, Yon and Moo, which is like a semi. Oh, the fucking Cat Diary is amazing. Yes. Yes, it's for those who haven't read it. It's so good and wholesome, uh, but a, a little bit creepy too. It's a it's um it's a semi auto autobiographical manga about Junji Ito uh, and his relationship with his cats, which he both adores and is scared by, and it's it's so good. I watched a video today of Junji Ito just like reacting to anime cats, <laughs> and he's like. I know why I'm doing this. A lot of people think that I'm a cat person. I'm not. <laughs> but it was just like the most wholesome content ever, which is why I like, which is why I'm just, just like so enamored with this man. Like he, he sits there and he does things like this, but then he creates shit like, like I can't wait to knock into Uzma. Like that I feel like is just going to be more of a terror and I'm so excited to get into it. But going from that to reading and watching Gyo, I was like, this came from that? Same brain? What is happening? It's very jarring, because uh, in any in any video, like, he's he's very mild-mannered, calm, like, soft-spoken, and then he just, his brain, it just soaks up. Yeah, and hum yes, very modest, very humble, and he just thinks of all the craziest off-ball, like, weird terrifying stuff and that just shows like just what a master he is and i'm 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 loving that for this episode i get to sort of be on the newbie side of the fence for all this because you know when when we watch a lot of the times when chris and i watch movies for these episodes more often than not i've seen them and chris hasn't so it's kind of nice to be on the other side of the fence um and it's also we we really haven't. I mean, for those who don't know, um, I'm a huge anime and manga fan, so we haven't really. Actually, it's probably the first time we dealt with horror, manga, and anime. I mean, obviously we've we've done some some J horror before, uh, some Korean horror before. Uh, so this is like uncharted territory for for the podcast. I think it's like, yeah. This is a whole other level. And I think that even if Gyo hadn't been made into a movie, I feel like we would still, we still need to talk about it. So yeah, it's a little bit different when we're discussing a visual medium, but there's still so many horror elements to it that you can discuss, which is why we have Chris on this episode, which is why this episode is being done in the first place. So I'm just, I'm ready. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, Chris. Um, so, um, I, I, I think we should. I, I, for the, for the Instagram, I feel like we should like post some of our screen caps of the Discord uh, <laughs> chat we were having because your, your reactions were so priceless. So, uh, Chris, give me your first impressions on Gyo. No, my first impression when I finished it and I put down my iPad was, "What the fuck did I just read?" That was my first impression of this story because it, besides just the the just completely oddball wackadoo premise, it is it is a bizarre story. It just 
it's just wildly weird. Like, there's really no other way to describe how freaking weird this story is. And that's that's saying a lot for Junji Ito, because, like, he... His mind is, like, it has such a unique way of, like, looking at the world and extrapolating it. Um, um, but I would say in the large in the larger span of Ito's work, it's definitely one of the, the more out-there Gonzo um, works. And that's saying a lot. Um, and I, I just love how... I love like the origins of the story. So th- there's like kind of two main two main uh, in- influences on how the story started. Uh, so one, uh, this is very fitting because uh, uh, this year's the 45th anniversary of Steven Spielberg Steven Spielberg's Jaws, uh, and we d- we just did an episode about it. So Ito, when I was younger. Uh, he watched Jaws, and he was terrified of sharks ever since then. And and Ito's really interesting because like he, a, a lot of his works uh, is inspired by fear, inspired by phobias, and like he sublimates those fears into his work. Um, so he got t- deathly terrified of sharks, and he his brain was like, well. What can I do to make sharks even scarier? It's like, oh, maybe, um, maybe, maybe I could put them, make, make them walk on land. That's scary. And so that's like that was one of the main um, inciting incidents that you know tr- uh, created the story. He, he literally let his ma- imagination wild for that. And then the other uh, main influence about uh, on Gyo was his personal politics, uh, like his his anti-war stance uh drawing a lot from his uh parents uh upbringing and uh, past experiences during world war ii so those two main uh ideas were instrumental in creating gyo but there's so much to unpack in in this story so um so uh rai what do you think uh, after reading your, your first ito like this is like this is like from zero to a hundred, especially for a newbie. Uh, so, I, so how how did you feel? So you know me when uh, when we're doing things that I don't really know anything about, I try to go in blind. Um, I think it's the best way to get like a a raw reaction. And I'm really happy that I didn't really try to do too much homework prior to diving into Ito, because I think it really would have ruined a lot of this for me. Because this is fucking weird. In the best way possible, it's weird and it's it's twisted. And as someone who isn't af- afraid of sharks, but you know the idea after watching Jaws has crossed my mind. Like maybe don't stay underwater too long. The idea that you would see a shark swimming towards a beach of people, and you're like, oh, let's get out of the water, and then it walks out of the ocean. No, that scene made me laugh. So, like, this is the thing about Ito is, that especially this story, it really, it really bridges, it really bridges the gap between horror and comedy, without making it a parody. Like. Even if it is kind of a parody, though, it doesn't feel like one. Like, in a world where you're going to accept that fish with metal legs are coming to kill everybody, yeah, that seems pretty fucking scary, even if it is kind of comedic to look at. But the premise is so ridiculous, and it's so... But it's like, it, it works. It just works. Like, that's... that's it's just, it, just, it just works, and you just roll with it. Like, that's like the genius of Ito. 
<laughs> why does it work? Chris, why does it work? Tell us. Man, I don't know. There are parts where I chuckled while I was reading it. And yes, like Chris said, it's funny to look at. So that was some of it. But when I was watching it, I found myself laughing a lot more than I was horrified. And I think that that has to do with the changes that they made to it being a watchable visual medium versus reading it as a visual medium. And I, like I said earlier, I think one was more successful than the other. I think I definitely have a preference as to which one I enjoyed more. I, I can, I have a theory. So this, go, this comes down to Ito's amazing talent as a, as an artist. Like he, he, uh, obviously I'm not like, he's a genius writer, but when it comes to art, like his, it's so detailed. Like his line work is so precise and detailed, especially on the the splash pages. Like, uh, like the first reveal of the the dead fish, uh, behind the cab or behind the, the dresser, uh, or one of my favorite scenes, um, when uh, Tadashi sees the amputated arm of the doctor grafted to the uh grafted to this to the legs like the amount of like hatch marks and lines uh and incredible detention detail like it is mind-boggling and especially with the body horror elements when he when he's drawing humans um like he has such a succinct intimate knowledge of the of the human anatomy where like it, it then he then he breaks it then he breaks the anatomy and like it just Gives you it just crawls underneath your skin and makes you shudder. I mean, we were just showing the showing each other the image. Um, like so, if you picked up the deluxe edition uh, by Viz Media, um, on the on the the back cover or the back inside cover, uh, you see Kauri. Uh, spoilers. You see Kauri as she's grafted to the machine, and it just it just looks so creepy. It's like with the boils and. The eyes, uh, it's just like the the cruel machinations in general, and it's just a testament to how talented Ito is. Ito has a mastery of line work that is what really gives horror to what he draws. Like, the way that he uses the white spaces, and like, this isn't just me kind of like trying to sound smart, it's just the way that he draws stuff. And that's what really brings the horror to it. Because it's not quite complete Japanese sort of standard anime of, you know, the big eyes and like, you know, small noses, small mouths, big heads or anything like that. But he has this very kind of succinct balance between the way that his people look and the, the way that he will take his art and stretch it to the limits of horror while still being believable. I feel like Ito's artwork is what David lynch and david cronenberg have nightmares about oh yeah and and, and people like del toro uh they uh, and and uh what's uh hideo kijima you know they love him and they want to do collaborations with him i mean uh chris and i were we were talking about how uh del toro obviously he's like a, ma a master of dark fantasy hideo kijima um similar to ito they're like mad geniuses they have like crazy uh high-minded concepts uh about like just like full, everyday concepts and philosophy and like uh so it's no surprise like these type of 
auteurs are influenced by a similar savant uh, as Ito, and uh, it's just I I cannot believe that like if you believe in the many worlds theory, there's a universe out there that Ito wouldn't have existed because before Ito, you know, decided to become a full time mangaka, his actual day job was being he he, he was basically a dentist. Uh, he was a he was a dentist for like uh, X amount of time. He was a dentist. Those poor children. Those poor children. Yes, that was his. That was his original job. That was his original job. And then uh, by chance, he submitted. Um, he submitted the prototype, um, which eventually became Tomie, uh, which is one of his magnum opuses. Uh, he submitted to um, some manga contest, uh, and he got like an honorable mention. Um, and then I think it, I think it got published uh, in as one of the as one of the finalists. And after that, he just kept working on it. Then from then on, like that was history. But there's a few, there's an alternate timeline where Juji Ito could have stayed a dentist, and we've never, we, he he could have never pursued his dreams. So oh, I would have a better night tonight. Is what you're telling me? Yes, exactly. We would never have. No, something I do love about Ito is his style is very easy to pick out of a crowd. Like just like just a lot of these, a lot of the greats have very distinct styles. That is something that's always I found very interesting. Um, like Ito has it, Del Toro has it in his films. Um, whether it's just in themes or ideas or just the, the way that they film things or the way they design their monsters, it's all quite clear but oh god he's like he's he's a he's just a great artist really that's all there is to it. he is um but yeah let, let's uh let's steer back to to Gyo. um so the basic plot premise again um you know there's like this horrific stench uh okinawa and then the rest of japan um are invaded by walking fish um and it's I I just love it just sounds so silly uh and then it, it gets so that that's like the first act and then um wrapped in that is like the interpersonal relationship between uh Tadashi and Kaori and who by the way hold on the girlfriend is horrible as a human being in this like she's horrendous like I couldn't wait for her to turn into a fish person could not wait. Yeah, so I mean that's that's not without like purpose. like Kaori in in the manga, she's not likable at all. But but I mean part of part of me kinda understood if that makes sense. As a woman, I wanted her to die. In, I'm not speaking of that. I can't speak to that. But like she oh god. I don't know. Part of part of the thing is just uh it, yeah, she was not a great character. I, I think, honestly, I think she was the weakest. She she was, uh, but in a way, it's it's interesting because Kauri represents a lot of the common themes or common, um, I guess, Juji Ito signatures. You, you often see it in a lot of his other work, like uh, in a lot of Ito's work, you see often see depictions of jealousy. <laughs> Envy characters who just act irrational, uh, uh, and like, um, and 
Kauri has that in spades. Like, it's, yeah. Like, she was definitely not, like, a likable character. So I, I don't know if you, like, if you pitied her. I did. I, I, I kept waiting. I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop, thinking, okay, this character can't be like this all the time. And she was. She was like that all the time. Like, I am very sensitive to certain smells as well. But I'm not going to become a heinous bitch <laughs> if there is obviously a stench stuck in the air that we can't get rid of. Like, to, to a degree, I understand when something really is really, just as on like a human level, when something's really bothering you, and if you have any sort of kind of neuroses or anything like that, and you just need it to go away, and it's not going away fast enough, totally get it. I mean, she very clearly had a neuroses. Right, but it was at like a 100 the entire time. That and that, for me, I was like, I cannot wait. Person, because I knew it was going to happen. I was like, I cannot wait for you to turn into a fish person. Oh, but that she didn't turn said, into a fish person. <laughs> it was much she worse. Into... It was worse. It was fantastic. <laughs> but that being said, like she became fuel. She became fuel. <laughs> I, but I also, I also did this in the reverse. So I watched the movie before I read it, and I'm actually kind of happy I did it in that order because it allowed me to savor the text so much more. Because. Uh, again, because of the changes that were made between the two storylines. Um, and I think... Yeah, spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. Um, the OVA changed it, like, really drastically. Uh, well, at least character-wise. Character to, to a benefit and a fault, I think. Yeah. So, in the OVA, uh, Tadashi, he was... He was basically non-existent throughout the entire film. He was... Uh, uh, he was there as like a plot device to keep the 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 to start the story to keep it going but other than that he had like maybe two scenes or three scenes that and that's it uh essentially they switched the roles of tadashi and kauri so i actually enjoy kauri uh in the anime more so did i i was rooting for her yeah, I like I I just love like strong female protagonists in general, and then you you saw that so much in Spades with Kaori. She has her own agency. Uh, she's independent, um, and um, you know she gets she gets into the action, um, and that's like the one of the biggest changes. And all the I guess the unsavory personality traits of Kauri from the manga, like her neuroses or uh, her, her and her insecurities and anxieties, they were split up and created to their own respective characters. One of them was Aki, um, and the other one uh, was Erica, um, and they they were basically horror movie fodder. They they all died horribly, um, and Tadashi was um replaced by a uh, another male character who is not part of the original manga so like so aki uh erica and um oh i had his name written down um blah 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 what's his name oh yeah shirakawa shirakawa he's this videographer um so he he plays as like the stand-in for tadashi he's like the the male protagonist that travels and uh, protects um, Kaurita the entire time. Um, so I would say that's one of the biggest strengths of the OVA is that uh, 
Kaori is such a, a much more likable character. She has a lot more agency, a lot more to do. She goes through a whole journey. She has much more depth in this one, and which I enjoyed. And again, when you when you have to take something from paper to screen, those are the kinds of thing. Those are the kinds of choices that need to be made. So I get it. But there were some story elements that, because of those changes, got lost and weren't included. And I think that was a detriment. But, you know, those, again, those are the things that need to be done. So instead of, instead of it being done through a story, you get to see footage of the previous tests that they did from, like, back in the Army days and all that stuff. The one thing that I think was done better, and almost more horrifyingly, was the whole circus scene. Oh, that fucking circus. Ten times better in the manga than it was watching it. Ten times better. Let's, let's talk about the circus scene. <laughs> so the circus, I think, highlights what I later, after I finished reading it, what I come to realize about this is that this isn't just a single horror story. This is like, like this is, or no, this is a single horror story, but there's also like multiple side horror stories happen happening throughout it so like the first part is just a straight-up monster movie it's it's literally jaws on land so that's the first part when the fish are invading and there's the big shark it's jaws on land then they get back into tokyo and it is it's more than that it's not just jaws on land anymore now it is also um it's also you know it's got the mad scientist now and he's doing weird experiments with stuff sacrifices his arm for it. So you got that more kind of original sort of Mary Shelley horror going. And then the the disease happens, and then you sort of have plague horror, which many people I'm sure are very familiar with right now. And then he goes, he starts wandering throughout, and then you get the fucking circus horror out of goddamn nowhere. And then body horror is also there. Like, each sequence is almost like a different flavor and style of horror. And it, I, that's one of the things why it's so weird. Whereas Uzumaki kind of does the same thing, but it's it's the agent that is causing the horror. It's more, the symbolism is a little stronger. It's more coherent. This one's just kind of all over the place. Yeah, but you know what? And also, here's the other thing, just to add, because I feel like, especially now, watching horror during COVID, it hits a little bit different than it would outside of outside of the current situation that we're in. Oh, yeah. So watching this during coronavirus also does something to you. Wear your masks. Wear your masks. Protect yourself from the germs and the gas. Right, it's just like it does something. But again, I, I, uh, Chris, you, you brought this up earlier. There are comedic elements to this. Watching someone who is slowly becoming one of these things and just sort of exists and just sort of like sway around being propelled by their own gas that just happens to be coming out of their own asshole is hilarious to look at. Like, it's just like, what? What is that? Like, but, but, but for some reason, like, it is simultaneously hilarious and horrifying to watch. It's so ridiculous and, and really sad, especially the scenes where, like, oh, so in the OVA, 
uh, Tadashi is swapped with Kaori, so in the end, Tadashi is the one who gets infected and grafted into the machine. Um, and then in the original manga, Kaori, she gets grafted into a machine put there by the doctor. Uh, and like, there's like this really heart-wrenching scene. Well, two of them actually. So one, um, she escapes because we real the, the reader finds out that despite being infected and despite the doctor and Tadashi and, and their assistant thinking that she's in a coma or she's effectively dead, she's still alive, quote unquote, and she's still conscious. Like she starts, she gets, she runs out of the room stabbing the doctor uh, because she sees um, Tadashi uh, and um, the doctor's assistant, uh, Yoshi, Yoshiyama-san, like holding each other. <laughs> and she's like, oh no, my man's, uh, I'm not pretty anymore. She, he's obviously in love with the doctor's assistant and she runs out. And then later she gets attacked and she's getting, she's getting like torn apart by all these other infected humans. And she's reaching out to Tadashi and she's crying. It's like, oh, oh, it hurts. Yeah, why was she getting torn apart by the other infected humans? I wasn't clear on that. Tadashi gets torn apart because they flip-flop it. So the same thing happens to Tadashi. And it does create this like heart-wrenching moment. But I too was confused. Is it because he's more sentient than them? So the way I read it, so the way I read it, like the 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 manga, well, like the source material introduces a little bit of like scientific explanation and like supernatural explanation. They keep it like like vague, so you could theorize it like we we are now. Uh, so like the doctor was saying how the germ, oh, and also the circus, the ringmaster. They were saying how the germ is somehow sentient um and somehow in, uh created from intelligent design and and or possibly from another world um and they also tie that with the mysterious origins of the the, the spider bodies um because none of the earth scientists can figure out how they were made like yes they're they're machines but they're not man-made like there's the re how they explain it like none of these machines have like any screws or any sort of like rivets uh so they gave like a sort of like supernatural origin to them like oh maybe maybe the germs and the 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 metal from the battleships like fused together uh and they created like a new artificial organic life form um so how i read it like the germs hive mentality or whatever type of origin you, you call it from like they, they saw the modern machines created by the doctor whether that's like kauri or tadashi depending on what uh, or what source material you're drawing from or the doctor himself like even the doctor when he got um he, he grabbed himself to a, a a zeppelin which is by far my favorite moment Oh my god, that fucking Zeppelin. So good. Um, but I think like the germs like saw them as a threat or saw them as alien, like something that there's not part of their own tribe. And they they were like, oh, like like an immune system that sees a foreign invader or a foreign virus. They go, they swarm and they they, they kill them. I mean, I guess that makes as much sense as anything else with this. Part of me wants to like pull a paprika and just get inside Junjito's head and just sit and observe everything because I just need to I just need to understand it a little bit more 
But then the other half of me is like, no, sit back and enjoy the weird ass fucking Willy Wonka like tunnel ride you're going through when you like read anything Junjito. This is we've watched a lot of weird shit for this for this podcast. This is by far the weirdest thing we have ever done. Best compliment ever. <laughs> we but we've we've done some weird shit. This is pretty fucking weird. It's art. It's art. <laughs> Being crafted and 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 having your butt and your and your mouth plugged so you can feed a walking machine of of nightmares is true art, and I love it. So here's here's what I'll say about the circus scene. I think the other thing that sort of adds to the whole to the real horror of the whole circus scene in 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 the movie, everything is just sort of streaming together um as like one total continuous event we go from one house to another to another it's just one event right after the other and it rolls this sort of takes place in very much like a movie three acts there's a beginning a middle and an end um all extraordinarily and very oddly satisfying and i think what makes the circus scene so much more horrifying and satisfactory in the manga is that Time has passed between the first incident and him discovering the circus. I think they say he's been in a coma or he's been asleep for about a month. A whole month, yeah. And everything, everyone has just sort of gotten used to everything. It's the way of the world now. There's like martial law and there are tanks and there's a curfew. And, there, and, and everyone's just sort of like trying to deal with everyday life while these fisher are still running down the city. The difference being is we already have seen the gas in the manga before you see it in the circus. And I I think the gas is responsible for saving Tadashi, but then it also gives him this like nightmare perspective of what this germ is truly capable of. I mean, it basically doesn't it basically imply that the germ is dead people or something? There's one couple of lines where they're saying how the germ uh, is like it smells like human corpses and the germs are actually spirits and then there's like like the way that Ito does his line work to represent that you, you see Tadashi like freak out because you see like the gas like form like these skull faces and they, you see like these hands trying to reach out and grab um, Tadashi uh, so yeah like it, again like Ito doesn't give you a clear answer, um, but I find that interesting. I, I I don't think the way he executed it was. It doesn't leave a. It didn't. I, well, it didn't leave me with a bad taste in my mouth. It didn't leave me like so frustrated. It's like, oh, Ito, no, girl. No, it was just like, okay, this is really interesting. Like, like there's like a fantasy element. There's like a, there's like a hard science element. Um, there's like a the thing from outer space kind of element because like uh, the the circus performer he was clearly thinking that uh it, it was like alien in origin so um but all those are plausible theories don't misunderstand i don't want an explanation i'm perfectly content where i am not fully understanding it because i think that that also shares the impact of reading and watching this beautifully bizarre work that he does um but the circus made even less sense and was more terrifying 
watching the mutant metal like human fish people do circus acrobatics what the fuck was that yeah it was uh like i honestly i i like it the fact that they didn't he didn't go 100 percent into explaining it but um but at the same time it was just oh god it was a bizarre fucking god it was just strange it was so strange or, or, or like the giant. Like they have, they have a giant cannonball cannon fueled by gas from other humans. Like they, they stuff, they stuff humans in tanks and collected their gas, and they just shot it out. Or like, I know, <laughs> it's so good. We have to talk about the fucking cannon because the cannon that they're loading with human corpses. Besides the fact that the imagery is suitably horrifying, the scene where the circus wheels out the cannon to fight the Zeppelin was just amazing. Just absolutely fucking amazing. Oh, so good. Chris, I love that sentence. Like, like, you know, human cannonball, gas, Zeppelin. What, how do these connect? I love it. Oh, so good. Um, yeah, even, even the, the, the other striking, again, a testament to Ita's work, like, uh, the fire, the, the fire breathing scene where, like, he, burps out a bunch of gas and lights it on fire you just see like all the human like skull spirits being emitted in the flame it's just like such a ethereal strange piece of art and like i remember when i was reading through some of this stuff and just looking at one of the, some of the art like the scene where his where the uncle mad scientist uncle has his corpse attached to the machine and the machine is now like staring down his nephew and his assistant and it has the close-up on the dead eyes and i'm just thinking to myself man how what kind of mindset do you have to be in to draw something like that so i i, I have an answer to that so so one so ito like he's very very well known for his distinctive he's, like, he's very well known for his for the drawing portrayal of his eyes, like his eyes are like so expressive. And especially when like, especially that one panel with the doctor, like, oh my God, like it is so creepy. Uh, and um, I was watching, uh, actually this, this, this came from an interview he was doing. Um, it was hosted by Crunchyroll where they were touring the Winchester haunted house together. And uh, and so one of the, the 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 guy from Crunchyroll, the host, he was asking him like, so uh, Ito, like, um, so he he was addressing the question like, well, you know, I think a lot, I think you get this question a lot where, uh, you're a very mild mannered, humble, modest person in in real life, but uh, you you must have got a lot of questions where people assume or you know your how you are in real life might not match, like who people think of you as in based on your work and jito ito like definitely agrees and like and he's like oh yeah i i i for me I, i'm not like this gothic artist who writes with an old school typewriter in the middle of the night during a thunderstorm like i'm a very simple man i just you know i work from the comfort of my of my home uh, i work in i work in my bedroom and i work with my two cats sleeping underneath my chair that's that's just who i am and it's like the the, the dichotomy of that is just so delightful and so interesting it's just everything the story i mean 
the story is bizarre. Like, I, I like to think of myself as being an imaginative guy, but I don't think in a million goddamn years I could have imagined a gas developed by the Japanese in World War II to fight against the United States that smells like corpses and is moved around by spider legs, um, which also, by the way, the gas powers the spider leg machines, then goes around and infects the, like, it's just bizarre. It is really bizarre. And, and the thing is, like, as silly as that explanation sounds, it, like, it explains the entire, like, conflict or like the, the it, it provides a like a sensible resolution within the context of the manga that makes perfect sense. Oh yeah, of course the of course it was a World War II bioweapons project, and uh, and of course like you know they would use stench as a you know a chemical agent, and of course like uh, you know science goes wrong and, man, and technology turns against man. It's like it's just it, again like I I love it like like he. Ito, when it was talking, when he was asked about Gyo, he literally said, "Quote like I just let my imagination run wild," and you definitely see that here. Um, yeah, that that's the only explanation for what the hell happened there. It's oh, it's so good, and it's a glorious explanation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've been throwing around the term bizarre a lot. What is the most bizarre? moment from the manga for you so for me i i already have this so for the for the folks at home the the mad scientist uncle develops for himself a zeppelin that allows him to fly to spread the disease throughout the land and he for me the scene that really that made me literally laugh out loud and i don't do this very much when i'm reading is when the corpse cannon pierces the Zeppelin for whatever reason. I, I don't know why they were doing that, but whatever. Who cares? Go with it. And and the Zeppelin, like, starts to fall, but then it detaches, and all of a sudden, like, Da Vinci-style glider wings just pop out of the side, and the guy and the guy's corpse just flies away. And all I could... Oh, wait, wait, wait. He doesn't, he doesn't fly away. He flies away with his assistant. Well, <laughs> the corpse assistant. of his assistant. She is dead as dead. Yes. The... Oh yeah, she's dead. She's speared. She's gonna be infected. <laughs> yeah, she is dead as dicks. But wh- as she's flying away, all I could think of in my head was the words "bit psych bitch you thought" and then just flying away, like just oh my god, it was like I laughed. I laughed really hard at that. But it was it was it was the laughter of what the fuck am I reading? Ah, uh, so good. Like definitely the most bizarre scene that like took me back was the circus like i was definitely not expecting that like it's like what the hell what like i'm enjoying what i'm watching or what i'm seeing i just don't know how to comprehend it which is like you know classic you know love crack uh cosmic horror kind of stuff going on so congrats ito but like the most delightful thing like yes it even tops like the, the like the shark like i gotta say but the zeppelin Anything with the doctor, the Zeppelin, it's just, it just, so, it, it just, I, I, I was laughing so hard too, and like so the, the OVA adaptation, I would say it's a, it's on its own two feet, uh, it's a decent anime, uh, it's and it's a, it's a decent Junji Ito adaptation, uh, but the biggest fault, the big, its biggest sin is they didn't devote enough time to the Zeppelin in the anime, and I'm so fierce about that. Like, it was only, like, a one-away, runaway shot at the end of the movie where, um, Kaori... 
Kauri is um um oh no, it was um what's his name? Uh Tadashi Skandin, Shirakawa, who's the videographer, um, he sees off Kauri as she's going to reunite with the rest of the survivors. We find out that Shirakawa uh gets infected. Uh, and he remarks that it's like a cruel sense of karma. Um, and the la- one of the last shots we see in the film, uh, as he's walking away from the beach, um, because Kauri's, uh going by boat towards this giant tanker where the rest of the survivors are, you see, like, uh, coming out of the horizon and flying overhead is the doctor with the with the back glider wings. It's like the, that's like the only shot we see uh, of the doctor. It's like, no, where's the Zeppelin? I want to see the cannonball strike the Zeppelin. You robbed me, studio Ufa table. Do it over. So, um, Ryan, what was the most bizarre scene for you? So there's something that brought me just sheer joy that only exists in the anime that doesn't exist in the manga. And that was watching uh, Erica get the shit beaten out of her with that ashtray. Aki, like, Aki just, like, uh, she just goes unhinged. She's like, I hate you. She went, she let her have it. So that just brought me just sheer joy. But then the thing that, and even though it was two different characters, the scene, the scene itself was still the same. And the weirdest thing that made me chuckle in the sense of what the fuck am I watching was watching someone (laughs) be suspended while they just have gas. Yeah, that entire sequence where the girlfriend tries to hang herself, but then she's like going around in like a helicopter. Like she's just being propelled by her farts. <laughs> yeah, that was like, it's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be feeling here. But then like, but then the only thing that makes it better is watching it in the anime because no one's being hung. She's being suspended by her own gas and she's literally just like swaying back and forth. That's <laughs> so good. Or she starts talking and she like belches out like a gal of of gas. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love it. So I want to uh, just talk a little bit briefly about um uh one of the big things about the anime. So like so uh, aside from the character swapping um you know the the anime plot wise uh remains pretty faithful to the rest of the manga although um it i i don't know if it's a if if it's a product of like recent current events and geopolitics and stuff uh the anime adaptation is fairly new uh i want to say did it feel overly politicized to you because it felt a little politicized for me yeah yes yeah, it came out. The, the anime adaptation came out, I think, like twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen, and like the the big the big subtext or theme that was underlying it was like epistemology, like how people get their knowledge, uh, and it was very much about like how difficult it is to find what what is truth or what is what is real or what is accurate in the information age. So basically, you know, basically fake news. Um, cause like oh, throughout the time, uh, we see this through the perspective of 
Shirakawa, who's like a freelance videographer. So his whole shtick was like um, his parent or his father got killed and then they could never find the culprit. And so it, it established a sense of justice where he became a videographer to like literally record the truth. Um, and throughout the course of the film, uh, his kind of personal journey was like struggling, his struggles in trying to find the truth. And whether that's because all these conflicting information was happening due to like, you know, Reddit or the internet or the government suppressing information. Um, and, and, and also his personal guilt trying to find the truth, uh, which is that, that's, that was the, that was his bitter end. Uh, or that was the bitter end for the anime LVA, uh, where he kind of used Kaori to find the truth because um, he recognized uh, her slash Tadashi from an interview of, about the, the mad scientist, the doctor. Uh, so he basically tagged along with Kaori to get closer to the uncle to find the truth. And so that's why at, in the end, he, when he gets cut, he says, and he starts to get infected. He's like, no, go without me. This is my karma. Um, you know, I shouldn't have lied to you. I should have used you like that. Um, so that was like the, the, the main subplot or I guess the main political undertone. And that's not to say like the original manga didn't have that. Like I was, like I was talking about before, um, a lot of the manga was informed by Juji into like anti-war sentiments. So I wanted to get your thoughts about that. Like, uh, I mean, uh, Chris, you haven't seen the OVA, but um, what are your thoughts on that? And what did you did you find any insights into uh, of a political bent from the manga, whether or not it's related to Junji Ito's uh, anti-war convictions, or if it's something that you saw for, unique from your own reading? I mean, I got a sort of pro-environment kind of thing like the story itself lends itself very clearly to the interpretation of you know Gaia's revenge or whatnot so I got that reading from it um and obviously there's the anti-war reading that can be done with it of you know oh this is a weapon that's literally coming back to bite us in the ass in some cases literally because there is a big fucking shark going around eating people but but yeah um as far as, like, I didn't get a fake news sort of vibe from it, as opposed to... The, the OVA it makes that super over, like, like would you agree, Rai? Yes, absolutely. I think that it's definitely a little bit more in your face watching it than it is written down, but I'm okay with it. But that also, I think, a lot of that part of my opinion that's being informed is it does really truly have a lot to do with the fact that I'm watching this during COVID. I feel like I might not feel as strongly about it if I was watching it, you know, in quote unquote real life and we weren't in the situation we're in. It just, it feels different to watch this during a pandemic because I felt like while I was watching it, I was like, this would be the legitimate like government response. Cause we've already kind of seen this and it felt like very true to a current situation, which was very unnerving. Like I was not okay with that. I was like, oh good. So, you know, global pandemic, mutant fish, like metal fish people, cute. We're gonna, we're gonna react the same way. Awesome. But it did do this, um, it did do this sort of like 28 days later montage 
of it just sort of shows you how it it's not just in Japan, how it just sort of took over the rest of the world. You see everybody going towards the Eiffel Tower and the Taj Mahal and it's everywhere. Um, and I really like that because you can sort of end on that note. You don't, or you could not, you could do a million and a half other things with it. I have a feeling because Americans didn't touch this movie, there will be no sequel. And I find that absolutely delightful because we know how I feel about Americans remaking anything. You don't like sequels, Rye? I never knew that. <laughs> Americans ruin it. We ruin every fucking... No, you know what? This is not... No, this is not the episode for me to go on that rant, but we do ruin everything. So, yes. It, it's it's definitely a little weird watching this in, in, uh, in 2020. In the darkest timeline, if you will. Is, I mean, I mean, we could live in the timeline where we're all spider robot people filled with gas. I mean, yeah, but Chris, that's your like dream come true. Yes, yes, I'll. I know. So it's not a nightmare. It's not. That's not the darkest timeline for Chris. Chris is like, let me, let me do it. I will. I will host a grand circus and I will shoot people out of cannonballs. <laughs> yes. You're the ringmaster, Chris. It's me. <laughs> I, I'm so proud. I'm so proud that I have this reputation. Thank you. Um, so I want, I have two more things. So I'll, I want to get like everyone's like final impressions about Gyo, you know, anime or manga. And then uh, I know Chris mentioned one of the stories that's at the top of the episode, but in the the in the manga collection, uh, it also comes with two bonus short stories. So I want to I want to spend some time talking a bit about those two stories. Uh, so. Uh, any last thoughts about Gyo? Oh, man. I mean, I could literally just talk all day about this, honestly. Good thing we have another episode. We can save that episode for fucking, uh, like, Uzi. Dude, I could talk about Uzumaki for hours. We should start a Uzumaki podcast or just like a Junji Ito podcast. Let's do it. Let's, let's do it, bro. Honestly, it's not a terrible idea. But, um, God, it's, it's just a bizarre story. Like, literally, there's. Like, he's, there's really, I know I keep saying that word over and over again, but, like, I, that's the best word I got for it, honestly. I don't of those things where you just got to experience it for yourself, and, like, then you'll, you'll get, like, what? Yeah, like, and everybody's going to come with a different read of it, too. Like, it's not going to be the same for everybody. No, but I think that there's also something to be said for that. Um, I can't say enough good things about this weird, beautiful thing. I... I know that in a in Junjito's Comic-Con at home panel, he said that he would really like to collaborate with Stephen King, which I think would be amazing and horrifying. That would be something else, man. Like imagine imagine Junji Ito and Stephen King doing like a thinner remake. That would be that would be horrifying. Like their collaboration I think would be very interesting. But also, I think collaboration, just purely based on something he said on the panel, that I think I would like to see more would be, or almost as much as, would be Guillermo del Toro, because of how Guillermo del Toro sort of treats monsters, and how sensitive he is to them. And uh, Junji Ito was asked a question if he thinks that the monsters that he basically creates or that monsters in general can be beautiful when they are when they exist as ugly as they are 
And he's like, well, I don't try to do that. I just think that there are other people out there that sort of achieve that balance. Um, no, you, you, you gave us a gut-wrenching moment in the midst of a ton of ugliness in this story. So I think maybe you're doing it and you're not even realizing. Yeah, I, I don't know how much of it he means to do, if that makes sense. And this isn't... And I don't mean that to be insulting, like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. The man clearly knows what he's doing. He's a master of his craft. But at the same time, it's just very difficult to gauge, at least for me, what he is trying to accomplish, if that makes sense. Yes. And and I absolutely, no, I absolutely agree with you. I think you're 100% right. And I think that that also adds, that adds to it. That adds to the journey you take with this and the experience that you get from it. Also, the fact that Junjito said that um, spirit photography terrifies him a little bit. Like, it scares him when, when you take a picture and you might see something in the background, which is another reason why I would love to see him team up with Guillermo del Toro. Because that could just be a whole... I mean, that world would be visually stunning and terrifying. Well, right. We, we do live in the darkest timeline because, because there, is, there is a time where we... Where, Hideo Kojima, uh, Del Toro, and Ito were all on the same project. So, um, so Silent Hills, uh, the video game, which is now, you know, well, it might come back uh, according to the to the video game community. Uh, but you know, a couple of years ago, uh, Del Toro cited that uh, Junji Ito was a collaborator um, for Silent Hills. And uh, and then Del Toro himself and Hideo Kojima were the main directors of the project. Now, because of Konami and like all all that BS, Silent Hills was um, you know canned. Uh, now there's there's rumors or there's like quote news that it might be revived. Uh, we don't know uh, for sure. Uh, but uh, since then, uh, Ko- Kojima's video game project Death Stranding had. Uh, came out last year. So Del Toro and Junji Ito, they lend their likenesses to the game, so they actually show up inside the video game. Junji Ito is in Death Stranding? Yeah, he is. I did not know that. I was reading that up during... Uh, he was mentioning that during one of his interviews. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, t- I, I, uh, I let my likeness be licensed and be uploaded to Kojima's video game. I was like, whoa, that's so cool. <laughs> um... But uh, there, there could have been a timeline where we, we, we would have had a video game with those three people. Uh, and, you know, we I don't know. But Junji Ito has been talking with Hideo Kojima about working on a or po- on, on like the being open to collaborate on a future video game. So who knows? Maybe they'll rope in Del Toro again or not. My last thoughts on Gyo. It has everything that all the check marks for like what makes chris tick like sharks check body horror check crazy psychological weird shit check zeppelins double check like it's so good so i i just i'm so delighted that you know everyone like across the board like love this uh manga and i and Similar to, I guess, I guess how this, I, I guess this is how Rai feels when I, every time I bring up, um, like Mad Max Fury Road, because like, like, like we haven't really done manga or or anime very often in this podcast, and like, there's so much great, uh, 
horror manga, horror uh, anime. Like, Judy Ito from manga, like, cream of the crop. Um, the OVA, I would say it's not the it's not the best that horror anime can provide. And I hope, Rai, that this does not dissuade you because there's, like, there's some really awesome horror anime that I want to introduce and definitely review on this show. Uh, oh, absolutely not. I want to keep going. <laughs> Dissuade me, it did not. I want to keep going. I'm ready. Uh, so, Chris, uh, you mentioned this at the top of the, the episode. So, what are the um, what are the short stories that are that's part of this compendium? Uh, is the Enigma of Amigawa Amigawa Fault. Uh, the other one is uh, the Sad Tale of the Principal Post, and these are the two bonus stories. Oh, the Principal Post was hilarious. That one, I laughed so hard. Oh my hard. god! That... <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the principal post real quick. So basically the story is, is these people build their dream home and they're hosting their friends one day and they, somehow the husband goes underneath the house and gets stuck under the post that supports everything. And basically his, his family and friends find him there and it's like, Oh, don't worry, we're going to call the police and they're going to or we'll call fire services or fire rescue or whatnot. We're going to get you at from under there. And he says, don't do it because you'll destroy the house um, and it'll probably kill me. And so he just dies under there. And the story ends with, yeah, we don't know how the fuck he got under there. Like, Yeah, it's like, we don't know. But uh, they, the family sets up a, a family, like a like an ancestral shrine. And you just see his bones. And it's still, they, they, they haven't moved the bones. Like, you still see his spine, like crushed by the principal post and it's like it's morbid and oddly really funny and i was like i i i died laughing watching or uh, reading that that story as it it's very it's it's so good uh rye how about you <laughs> I, that i don't i don't even know what that was it was entertaining as all hell i mean it kind of felt like um it kind of felt like you have a, you had a second to breathe after going on the entire journey of of Gyo. After doing all of that, you read this like weird ass bizarro tale. You're like, oh, okay. It's the comic relief. Oh, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of well, not well, not well. I mean, yes, a lot of his works are weirdly darkly macabre and humorous like that. But a lot of his works are short stories, uh, and they're all and they're all compiled into like uh, different compendiums of volumes. Like I think there's at least four or five uh collections and the, the next one's coming out in august um but uh yeah i i loved the principal pose i thought it was just it was just very tongue-in-cheek kind of humor uh and it's done it, again judy ito firing on all cylinders uh such a great artist like i'm i, I just feel bad like i need to practice more <laughs> i'm ready to just buy everything i can get my hands on do it do it like money be damned i'm just i'm ready to buy everything well like i i think i want to give shout outs to viz media like I, so um uh, juji ito has been writing since like 1987 so like almost th like practically three decades and uh definitely in the la like definitely in the starting in 2010 afterwards You've definitely seen like a huge boom and a huge mainstream appeal to Junji Ito, and that, I think a lot of that has to, uh, you know, ha hats off to 
Viz Media for like translating and publishing and making this work so much easier and accessible for you know the rest of the world and like and I I just love that and uh you know GT it's just like a household name now and like you know like just in the past year he's done like so many interviews so many tours and um and you know he was just on the San Diego Comic Con um uh, online panel. Uh, so I, I, I just, I love how like GT Ito is getting, um, so much recognition, so much love from like a, a brand new, uh, swath of readers like Ryan. Clu- oh, hell yeah. I'm in it now. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Chris, we should talk about the, the second bonus story. Yeah. We, we beat, we're beating around the bush here. So the mystery of the Amigara fault. And, oh, man. So basically, for the those of you who haven't read this story, A, I'd say pause the podcast and go read it. It's not a long story. But basically, it is what the story is about. Well, first of all, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the story. But what the story is about is it is about basically a earthquake happens somewhere in the Japanese, the Amagara Mountains, I assume, is where it is. Um, and they reveal these very strange almost carvings in the mountains and they're all human shaped and people soon get these compulsions to go to these mountains and see just they get a compulsion to go to the mountain and they don't understand why and the main character goes there and soon he sees these people who start screaming about how they have found the hole and this hole was made for me and then they go into the hole and they sort of disappear into it. They go into these sh- holes that are exactly that, perfectly human shaped. And due to just like the way that they move and the way that they breathe, they slowly disappear into the mountain. And the story then follows as it goes around and follows the main character, this girl that he meets. Uh, they find her hole and they try to cover it up, but the compulsion is too strong. She removes the rocks. And she then disappears into the hole. And the story ends with the main character finding his hole. And then it cuts to people on the other side of the mountain finding the earthquake that revealed the other side. And they find the other ends of the holes have sort of just the way that the rocks twist and turn and shape the holes that whatever is coming outside of the other end is not quite human anymore. It turns like literal human silly putty. Like the, 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 like their flesh and their bones like distorted like these weird branch like tree like formations and like ah it's so it, it's what i love about this story is like um like these the two main characters they seem very sensible it's very rational and then they're just like through unexplainable compulsions or fear or, or just like the, the they lose all sense of rationale and the, there's they can't explain it, but like the whole the 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 mountain, it's calling to them, and they're like, I, I don't, I can't explain it. Like I know, I know that hole is me. It was made for me. I, I ha- like, I have to. I like, like I, I have to enter the hole, or else I'll go, I'll lose my mind. And then like, obviously, the fate that that awaits them is equally as terrifying. But like, I just love that execution. It's just, oh, it's so good. Yeah, the sequence where there's also a dream sequence where the character dreams about what the holes were originally used for, and they basically they were used to punish criminals in a long time ago. And as he like goes in and 
the mountain starts to shape around him and it ever so slowly stretches him out because it goes apparently it goes for miles and miles but it's just that horror i i don't want to quite call it lovecraftian because lovecraftian has to deal with cosmic horror a lot um but it's just that that fear of the unknown and oh god it's so good and it's so well done oh, i really enjoyed it uh right do you have any thoughts about this short story so i think that even though again it's a manga and it's written down i think it can be added to a list of things to take note of that know how to add and create tension you know something and and i that can just be said for this entire thing um you know something's gonna happen and you know it's gonna have a horrifying payoff but you're just not quite sure what it is and then when it does it it just you feel it somewhere inside your bones and it and it does things to you and i think that that is also a very physical reaction but also a very high compliment that i can give junji ito that you make my bones feel a certain kind of way while reading your shit right you're just you're just dreaming about entering a mountain tonight and then you're just like you just wake up Chris, if I wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I think that things are happening to my body that actually aren't, I will hold you personally responsible. You just you just wake up, you find your arm like covered in boils and a little bit bloated. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, that that sequence where the uh, where the girlfriend is getting sick. Oh my gosh, so good. She she wakes up like my face feels funny. Hey Tadashi, grab me a mirror, please. Oh, you won't. Oh, I'll 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 grab it myself. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, yeah. Uh, gosh. Uh, Juji Ito, you are an absolute genius, and you know we we barely scratched the surface. Um, you know. So next week we're gonna, we're gonna be talking about Uzumaki. Uh, both the um, both the original manga as well as the live action adaptation. I believe it was created in, in 2000, uh, and yeah, early 2000s. And then um, you know, and then we'll talk. Uh, we'll see if there's any more news released about it too. But uh, I know there, I know there's a, a new anime adaptation in the works for Uzumaki. But I mean, there's so much crazy stuff like i, I was reading uh, I, w- I did not know this was a thing but uh juji ito last year he won the eisner award which is a crazy high honor in the in the field of art and comics and he won it because he published um an adaptation of mary shelley's frankenstein and i'm like what how did i not know about this so i i desperately need to read that talk about that and uh, and obviously it looks like it'll be beautiful so i'm excited yeah um and gosh and like and then tomie tomie i mean right that's like the, a lot of the artwork that you saw for the first time was from that manga and then i know well i'm buying that one after this <laughs> yes yeah and then uh, we were talking about it uh earlier where uh, uh alexandra aja he got tapped to direct a live action adaptation of tomie uh tomie probably has the most live action adaptations uh japanese adaptations there's at least like four or five tomie films uh out there in the wild right now why so many 
Well, I guess, well, I guess Tomei is probably, I mean, Tomei and Uzumaki are definitely Ito's most popular works. Um, Tomei is, 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 one, is one of the more long-form narratives. Uh, Gyo, in comparison, is a lot, is, is, is one of his shorter uh, works. Um, and Tomei is, is crazy popular, so I could, I could see why uh, it, it got so many sequels. But, I mean, again, this is a long way of saying we have so much Juji to the cover. Um, and, you know, it's great having Chris from Iron, Silver, and Salt on to, you know, talk about our, our mutual love for this guy. I, I am... I am thrilled to be here. I've, Junji Ito is an amazing author, and I'm always happy to talk about him. Excellent. Uh, so I guess um, before we close out, uh, Chris, do you have any uh, re- personal recommendations to the audience of what Ito short stories or other works that you know y- you are really fond of? And, and obviously, we get we could get more into it. Uh, on the next episode, um, but is there anything that's, that's sticking out to you right now? Um, I mean, not really, uh, or at least nothing out of the ordinary. Like, Gio's good. He's got a lot of short stories. Um, and the problem is, is I don't really know a lot of the names of the short stories. I can describe what happens in them, but the names are, uh, the names elude me. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, I guess mystery of Anigar. Anigar. I can't pronounce it to save my life. But um, the mystery of the Anagara Fault is a. I think is a good one to start with, because uh, it's a good combination of his art and his horror of not quite knowing what's happening and not really getting a good like not getting an answer that fully explains it. And whether you find that satisfactory or not, I think is up to your own personal preference on horror. Um, but the uh but yeah no uh god it's just all so good man it's all so good like it's 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 inventive is what it is it's inventive and it's different and it's wild and it's strange in all of the right ways yeah ito so cool um uh right and, and for you um i mean uh you you're you're like you're like love struck with ito and i love how like how hard you've fallen for Ito and all his work and stuff. So, uh, what I've added four things to my Amazon cart since we started talking about them. Yes, excellent. <laughs> uh, it's not even a joke. I will show you my Amazon. Like I, I am balls deep. <laughs> excellent. Um, so I guess Ryan, my question for you is, um, um, like what? What are you looking forward to with Uzumaki? Because uh, that's our next big story. I don't know how far, if you started it or you, if you're going in blind. I haven't started it. I needed, I'm going in blind again. Um, it worked for me the first time. I think, I'll, I think I'll do the opposite though. So when I came into this episode, I had watched it before I read it. And I think I'm going to read it before I watch it. Just, just for comparative purposes. But... For me, at least, the way I'm going to approach this is I think just the best way to soak all of this up is to just go in as blind as possible. I can't get enough of it that way. I think that it just it adds something to it. I had no idea what to expect with any of this. I knew it was weird. I knew it was twisted. I knew it was bizarre. But not going into 
reading anything by Ito, I feel like not knowing it, you really have no idea where it's going to take you. And I think that that's the best part. Yeah, he is not he is not bound by tropes. And I, mean and that I think that that's why I'm responding oddly so well to it, because body horror and I don't have a great relationship. But for some strange reason, I'm finding this very visually appealing and satisfying. <laughs> because I think a lot of body horror kind of re revolves around the spectacle of body horror, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's the spectacle of becoming the thing rather than just showing you the thing. Yeah, it's not just the th the the thing. Yeah, that's great body horror too. But I think actually the thing and Junji Ito are good examples of body horror done right because it's not it's not just oh somebody's being mangled. That's what makes it scary. It's also the setup to why people are being mangled. And that is like the question of, oh, God, why is this happening? Can it happen to me? Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, this is horrifying. I also think the fact that at least for Gyo, there's an almost logical and very scientific explanation for for what's happening makes it all the more terrifying. So I am so ready to just keep going down this Junji Ito rabbit hole that we're that we're finding ourselves in. Right. In August, you're, you're going to have a brand new anthology of short stories to consume as well. So, uh, oh, yeah, I know I'm going to pre-order it. Let's do it. Uh, awesome. That's going to be book six in my cart. Yay. Okay. <laughs> so I think, I think for the next three months, we're just going to do nothing but two episodes. <laughs> and I'm very okay with this. <laughs> I'm very okay with it too, Chris. Um, Actually, so speaking of podcasts, so Chris, uh, for anyone who doesn't know or maybe missed our crossover episodes, um, uh, could you tell us a bit about your podcast, Iron, Silver, and Salt? Yes, Iron, Silver, and Salt is the monster hunting podcast where every other week we look at a monster from fiction and folklore and we tell you how to kill it. So uh, we, we range from monsters, we range in monsters from from the very obscure mythological creatures like the Yule Cat from Iceland to some of the more well-known creatures like the Xenomorphs, which you guys joined us for that episode. And uh, yeah, so our latest episode we just did was on Gorgo, which was, uh, which for those of you not in the know is a British kaiju film. Terrible movie. I totally recommend it. Um, the... But yeah, so we're you, we you can find us at any place podcasts can be found, and we have we drop an episode every other Thursday. So, so uh, uh, the crew at Iron Silver and Salt very charismatic, very funny. Uh, I love listening to all their episodes, uh, and um, and um, you know that recording that Alien Day episode, which is so much fun, and I, I look forward to more collaborations and. And uh, yeah, and Chris, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. So thank you so much for all your expert insight. Oh, thank you. I, I don't know really how much expert insight I added to this episode, but I always love talking horror. And we can't really do Jinji Ito on our podcast because it's never about the monster. It's always about people in these bizarre fucking situations. That's, that's where we come in. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's where we come in. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, I think that's about wraps, wraps it up. On that note, thank you for listening to another episode of Left for Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Everything helps. 
You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left 4 Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook. And you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. And, uh, and once again, Juji Ito-san, happy birthday. Uh, we love you. We wish you. Thank you for being born. Yes, thank you for being born. Thank <laughs> you. for quitting dentistry. Yes. <laughs> thank you for, for quitting dentistry. Uh, best decision ever. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, stay tuned uh, again. So um, please, please, uh, 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 please stay tuned. Uh, subscribe. Um, we're going to be doing Uzumaki. Uh, and it's going to be so awesome. Chris is, is coming back for that episode as well. Uh, so if you uh, if you need or if you want to check out Uzumaki, we'll put this in the show notes where you can find it. Um, you can find it on like Barnes and Noble or Amazon. Uh, if your local comic book shop is still open and you want to support small businesses, you know, uh, you know, definitely grab it from them too. And uh, yeah, we're so excited for more Juti Ito. So, uh, so do your homework. You got some. You got some assignments to do. And uh, so get re- get ready for Uzumaki. Cannot wait. And don't forget, stay, stay dreadful. dreadful. <laughs> Ooh.